Amen. Daniel chapter 1. Verses 3 through 6. And then Daniel chapter 3. Verses 17 through 25. Amen. Daniel chapter 1. Verses 3 through 6. And then Daniel chapter 3. Verses 17 through 25. One more time. Daniel chapter number 1. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screen behind me. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. And then Daniel chapter 3, 17 through 25. Amen. You had it, say, mm-hmm. And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of the Enochs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, uh, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Daniel chapter 3. Verses 17 through 25. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should eat, uh, heat the furnace one seven times more than it wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, O king, true, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, see, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This 
message this morning is entitled Nevertheless, Part 2, with a subtitle, uh, What Really Happened in the Fire? What Really Happened in the Fire? I found it strange that uh, we don't get a testimony from the Hebrew boys about what happened in the fire. Of course, we get an opportunity to see them in the fire, but we don't know what really happened while they were in there. I believe that it's important that we take a glimpse into what really happened in the fire. Somebody say, Amen. I think that once we discover, uh, Pastor Smith will understand greater how we ought to behave. Uh, what really happens when we go through things. It's not just the going through, but there's a particular way in which you are to go through. Say amen to that. The first thing that is important that we understand is that it's not always how you act in the fire, but it's also just as important how you act before the fire. Amen. It's important that you understand that your behavior before the trial and before the test is just as important as your behavior in the test. So proven in verse 17 when we start off with these Hebrew boys, and the Bible says that their response to the king remember this from last week that Nebuchadnezzar has put out a decree and said that anybody that does not bow before me in this golden image uh, when you hear the music begin to play is going to be cast into the fiery furnace and so the Chaldeans who are spying out and watching the Hebrew boys uh, determined that they were going to go and tell the king that these boys did not bow when the music began to play and so the king summons the boys to come to him and they show up in his palace and his quarters and the king begins to challenge them and he reminds them of the decree that he's made. And he said, I made a decree and just so you know, if you go ahead and bow, all will be well. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you behind in the fire. And so the boys say to the king in verse 17, we're not careful to answer you. We're not scared of you. You don't scare us. Uh, you don't put any fear in us, O king. But we just come to let you know that the God that we serve is able. Somebody say able. The word able is important and it comes from the Greek word yakel or the Hebrew word yakel. And first of all, it means, of course, able. The word able then simply means having necessary power, skill, resources, or qualifications to do a job. It just got good, y'all ain't said nothing. Some people are able to praise God just because you understand he's able. And by understanding that he's able, I understand he has what's necessary in power, skill, resources, and he's qualified to do the job. How do I know he's able? Because I walked with him before. He's kept me before. He's worked things out for me before. So I have no doubt that God is able. And sometimes when you come into situations and circumstances, you have to reflect on some things that God has done for you in the past to remind yourself that it is the same God that brought you through the last storm that is going to keep you and protect you through this one. The second definition of this word able, though, bless me real good because the second definition simply means to prevail. Now, you've got to understand, you've got to catch it how I'm giving it to you. 
and I'm going to read it for you with the word prevail in the place of this word uh, 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 able. It says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is prevailing. Y'all will catch it after a while. What that word prevail means, since you might not understand it, means first of all to be superior in strength. What that saying is that no matter what you can do, King, no matter what you can throw at us, our God is a prevailing God. That means that he's superior to whatever test and trial that might come my way. Whatever circumstances may arise, my God is a prevailing God. Now you have to understand something about a prevailing God. He's saying that he's over anything that might come against me. Anything that comes against me, he's already given me the victory. The reason that that's important is because he goes on and he says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is prevailing to deliver. You got to catch it how we give it. He says he's prevailing to deliver. The reason that it's important is because Jesus said it like this. You're going to overcome because I overcame. He said essentially the same thing. He said that God, our God is prevailing, not going to. He's currently now prevailing. No matter what I'm facing, he's prevailing. And I want you to understand that he's going to deliver me from that prevailing. He's going to deliver me from his victory. I don't even have to fight. I guess I put it in layman's term then. The battle is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And so he says, since God is a prevailing God, he is above anything that you can throw at us. He's going to deliver us from your hand. He's going to deliver us, first of all, watch this, from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. It's important that you understand that there's two aspects to this deliverance. The first comes from the fire and the second comes from the hand. I'll deal with the hand first if you don't mind. Psalm 107 and 2, David says something like this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But he don't just tell you to say so because God has delivered you from any old thing. But he says, I need you to say so because he delivered you from the hand of the enemy. Now that might not mean something to some of us. But for some of us, we've been in the clutches of the enemy. Some of us have been at the doorsteps of death and have had the enemy close enough that we thought he was going to win the victory. But God says, I let him get close enough to put his hands on you so I can show you that your victory is in me. I'm talking to somebody who might be discouraged in this house that the enemy is so close. It seems like his hand is all over your life. But I want to serve notice on you that you're right where God wants you to be. Because the scripture has to be fulfilled. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath delivered out of the hand of the enemy. I say that so that you'll be encouraged and not discouraged, because it seems like the hand of the enemy is on your mind, or the hand of the enemy is on your body. His hand is in your marriage, or his hand is on your children. Today is the day that you declare that his hand has to cease, because God has shown up to deliver you out of the hand of the enemy. And so they say to him, let Your 
Yeah, the second uh, definition of the word prevail means to be dominant. And so God is not just giving victory, he's dominating. Oh. Yeah, not quite he ain't just winning, he's dominating. It's a difference between one and give, uh, getting the victory and getting a dominating victory. A dominating victory symbolizes the fact that your enemy didn't have a chance. That our God is able to deliver us, deliver us from your hand. Now I want to deal for just a moment with the fiery furnace. The reason that I feel like we have to deal with the fiery furnace is because some of us have a very narrow perspective of things. Some of us only see things from one side. We don't see it from God's side. But I need you to understand until you change your opinion about how you see your trials, you're going to continue to suffer through your trials. But when you begin to every challenge as an opportunity for God to show how strong he is that every opposition everybody that comes against you and everything that comes against you the greater the test the greater God can show his glory you remember Nazareth when Nazareth had died it was Jesus who said I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes and what he was saying was that now you can get to see the glory of God so somebody tell him no matter what you're going through challenged them with the burning fiery furnace, not understanding that he doesn't know that they know God. Yeah. Many times what the enemy brings to you, he's not taking into consideration that you know God. I'm going to fix it for you. Uh, he don't know how well you know him. And so when they see the fire, the king says, surely this will scare them. Surely this will make them bow down. Surely this right here will make them do what I want them to do. But they see the fire, and instead of glorifying the fire, they glorify God. Look at somebody to change your perspective. The thing about the fire is that the fire has more than one purpose. The fire can also be used to warm. Now, fire can be used to drive off predators. Fire can be used to cook or to bring light. As a matter of fact, if you got up this morning and turned on the lights in your house or ironed your clothes, it was light that provided the energy by the burning of fossil fuels that provided the company with energy to provide energy to your house. And so fire is always active. Fire also, watch this, produces purifying. That when you go through the fire, you shall come forth as pure gold. So we understand that there's different purposes for the fire. Not only do we understand in the natural that there's purposes for 
for the fire. But in the supernatural, there's a purpose for the fire. The fire speaks and communicates the presence of God. It was God who spoke to Moses from a burning bush. Wait until you catch up. It was God who descended upon the Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19 in a fire. It was John in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 3 that said, There's one that's coming after me that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It was in Acts chapter 2 that the Bible says that there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. What's wrong with a lot of people is that they fear the fire. When the fire is what you need. Yeah. <sighs> Want to know what's wrong with a lot of saints? They find them. <laughs> you show up at church on Sunday waiting for somebody to ignite your fire. When your fire should already be lit. As a matter of fact, I woke up this morning on fire. And I went to bed on fire. I got up this morning on fire. I was on fire on the way to church. And once I came into the house of God, we just don't Wish somebody had enough fire on just for their row. Just to set anything on your row on fire. Yeah, let me tell you the story. Last, about a month ago, my uncle came to my house to burn some some leaves and some some, some limbs. Uh, My last experience uh, didn't turn out so great. So, I got to tell you about my experience before I can tell you about his experience. My experience was I came home on a Sunday and felt like being a country boy. And so I went in the backyard and raked up all the leaves and the sticks that I could find and decided that I was going to burn them. And so I started burning the leaves and the sticks and out of nowhere, a wind came. And the wind took the fire and shifted the fire. And what started off as a fire in my yard, the wind took it and the fire ended up on my neighbor's fence. It didn't stop at my neighbor's fence because the wind wouldn't stop blowing. And so my neighbor came out and said, your fire is in my yard. So that night, after we put the fire out, it took my water hose, his water hose, and we put the fire out. And so I'm in the bedroom asleep, and I see flashing lights. I don't go to the door because the fire is my fault. So I go to the window to see what's going on. I see a 
the wind caught it again. And the ashes started back. And the firefighters had to come because the fire had got too big for my little water hole. So, 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 watch this. The other day, my uncle comes. Now, I don't want to touch the pot. Because I don't know how to contain the fire. And so I tell my uncle, I said, listen, do you mind burning those piles in the backyard? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And so before I left, he started pouring some oil and different things and, and, and putting water around the edge of the fire and showing me the proper way to burn a fire. And so I left in confidence, believing that he knew how to detain the fire.
that you need to throw away. That you ain't found the time to throw away. Yeah, so, so, the fire, uh, exemplified the presence of God. It was through a pillar of fire that God led the children of Israel during the nighttime through the wilderness of Sinai. It was through the fire that God showed himself strong. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 says that our God is a consuming fire. So essentially they going to throw the fire Thank <laughs> you. 
Egypt. So let me prove it to you further. Luke chapter 1 verse 28. We find that Mary, an angel, appears to her and says, Blessed and you are highly favored. That word favor is the Greek word charito, which is where we get the word charity. And so what it essentially means is to pursue with grace. There's some stuff that God is doing for you that you ain't going to have to look for. He's looking for you. You ain't going to catch it. Mary didn't have to move. The favor found her. In Luke chapter 1 verse 30, he says again that you're favored. This word favor is the Greek word chairs and is different from chorito. Chorito, which is charity, which means the favor seeks you out, is the tree. Chairs is the fruit to chorito. There's some of us that holler, we got favor and ain't got fruit. You can say it because that's what you hear everybody else say. But watch what follows the announcement of the favor. When he says that you are favored, Chorito, he says, and watch what's about to happen because of your favor. You don't have a son. to have the God 
His name is Azariah. Which means Jehovah has helped. And if there's any time that they needed help, it was in the fire. That word help has three specific meanings. Number one, it means assisted. And it means to give support to. That while they're in the fire, God is supporting them. That while everybody else is falling down, it's the Lord that's keeping me up. The second definition means to be advised. Before they go into the fire, they were advised, which means to receive counsel. Because in order to go through the storm, you knew to need to be advised on how to get through it. Uh, can I serve notice on you that you won't always hear him in the fire? But the counsel don't start in the fire. The counsel started before the fire. The last definition of the word helped means to join in action. That Jesus said, even if I wanted to sit here, his name makes me come to me. I said I would help. And I can't leave him in the fire by myself.
from within the fight. This message is for those who are trying to avoid going through anything. You will not be promoted until you've been crucified. You won't be
what really happened in the fire. I found promotion. I found elevation. That while I was in the fire, something was happening. I should have been cooked. But I was being purified. You should have been destroyed. But he used the fire to make you. I'll go through because I understand promotion. And promotion comes from the strangest of places. The same folks that you've been fighting with and tussling with putting their mouth on you made themselves your enemy are the same people then the king promoted then the king promoted don't miss this why did the king promote because he saw how they handled themselves in the fire when he sees how you handle yourself in the fire, he'll cause those who set themselves against you to promote you. Somebody say promotion. The altar is 